are here with another episode of what we talking about season two thank you so much for joining us today we got a very special topic with a very special guest but before i get to that this episode is sponsored by spicy girl that's right spicy girl meal prep if you need your meal prep make sure you go to spicygirlmealprep.com why because having a meal prep will save you time it will also keep you on track it will help you if you're important for athletes meal prep will also give you portion control as well as help you win that mental game again that is spicygirlmealprep.com make sure you check them out but today we got a little something to talk about uh you know with what we're going on today just period we got a lot a lot a lot going on and i got a special guest with me to help me through this miss tara here my my sister is standing with us today uh i have been in two meetings and a protest with her today so we spent a lot of time together and we just want to talk a little bit about our current situation and just just get around some of the things that we can do to help ourselves be better through this situation so first of all uh i do want to talk a little bit about that we just did the flashlight protest silent protest how, how was that experience for you man i mean i didn't even know about it so <laughs> to learn about it in our last meeting it was it was empowering to know that we are all doing it from different cities. Um, I think as a, so basically what we did was everyone at nine o'clock go outside, point, uh, point a flashlight to the sky in solidarity with everyone for the murder of George, George Floyd. And we did it for the exact same time that that officer had his knee on his neck. And I think, I mean, when I first started, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm standing, you know, with my brothers and sisters. And then it's just, as the time went, it was just tears. Cause it's like, wow. I was just replaying the video in my head and just listening to, to the last words that he had. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was it was hard. It was hard. I didn't I didn't think it was gonna be hard when I did it. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna stand. You know, I'm gonna do it even if I look out the window. There's no one else doing it. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, um, yeah. It was hard for me. I mean, I went out to the middle of the street. I literally said, stood out in the middle of my street. Only one out there, but I was okay. And as I did it, the one thing that got me. It's realizing how long eight minutes and 46 seconds really is. Man. And to just sit there. And at first I was like, okay. And I looked at my watch and I'm like, wow. How long to have to endure what he had to endure. Uh, Like you said, it it definitely became emotional. uh, Just counting the seconds and the minutes down. It, it took a whole new experience for me uh, mm-hmm. and to know that I was in that experience with so many others of several cities uh, you know it just uh, it just it just it did something for me and 
you know, anybody else that uh, participated in that, you know, salute to you as well. Uh, but, you know, we're dealing with how to get through with this. Is, and it's on top of the pandemic that we're dealing with. Uh, how are you dealing with this shelter in place? This shelter in place may have, I don't know. I feel like this may be the hardest season of my life. Um, and it's been a lot going on back to back, a lot of transitions. And so I'm dealing, <laughs> I'm showing up the best that I can during this time. I've had, um, you know, a, a death. My grandmother passed away during this time. And so it's really, the shelter in place is really hitting at home as well as it's like, it's showing some things in my life that I, I kind of put away. Mm. And when I say that, it's this time alone is making you face yourself. Yeah. This time of isolation, it's like, wow. I'm by myself, but what are these things that I need to work on? Like, why is it so uncomfortable being alone? That is a great is question. That is a great question. You know? And, you know, definitely want to make sure that, that you know, that we stand in with you and, you know, give your condolences to your loss uh, and stand with you with that. And that is a great, great question, though. Like, why is it so hard to be alone? And it has it has done something in in me, and this is and I and I, I set it up with that first because when we look at the protests that are that are coming after the death after the murder of George Floyd, I look at the reaction. Now mm-hmm. it's not a new action, but it's a different reaction. And mm-hmm. it makes me think about is the result going to be any different? because we have a different reaction. And one of the things I see, I believe to contribute is this pandemic. I, I believe that this pandemic has made us more humane as a society. Mm-hmm. You know, you see people, when you do see people, it's it's much more, you know, more hellos, more happy to see people uh, because of that, not wanting to be alone in that connection factor it seems like it has caused people to actually be more humane and be able to, I'm not going to say empathize, but at least sympathize a little more with people that may not have the same background and is feeling a different emotion than before. Uh, I don't know if you have noticed or seen the same thing, but I, that's kind of what I'm attributed to because this feels different. We've had this accident over and over again, but this feels different. Definitely. This this does feel different. Like you said, you said it perfectly. The reaction is different. The crimes aren't, but the reaction is different. And I do think that spending time alone has caused everybody to look at themselves in a different light. And it has made us appreciate being together that much more. Yeah, I think we took a lot for granted. Like when I just think about <laughs> being able to go to the the store and you know just different things, it's like wow, I took all that for granted. You know, and now that we we're still in a crisis, right? We're still in the quote unquote pandemic, and all this is happening, so it it's affecting it as well. <laughs> it is. <laughs> this is affecting it as well. Um, 
but no, I, I definitely agree that you know the the COVID crisis has definitely presented us with a different um, a different platform to address the the racial issues that have, that keep popping up. And one one thing that I've, I've also noticed is uh, a lot of people have been making noise about different groups and different races out protesting and that's one thing but one thing that I have noticed is that not only has this gone across the country you literally see protests in other countries for the Mm -hmm. injustice happening in America Mm -hmm. and that right there strikes volumes to me like when other countries are looking at you and like no you're wrong and we're going to stand with those that are oppressed in your land over here in our land. Mm-hmm. And that type of support, I don't I don't know, I don't know what's attributed to it, but I just don't remember having a worldwide support group like that. Like that's that's different. Mm-hmm. No. Um, I think it is different. I think what what change right when we look at history is the technology right so the usage I mean I have a love and hate relationship with technology but what has helped us is that the message is getting across the whole world and that's really what happened in the Emmett Till when they showed his picture on the front page you know that that caused the uproar and so this technology has really been, you know, in the way that we're utilizing social network in a way to reach people outside of America is amazing to me. And it shows a lot <laughs> that even do a, during a pandemic, if some of these countries are experiencing it way worse than we are, they are still showing up and protesting for us. Yeah. You know, and I think one of the things that's changed, you know, when we talk about technology, you know, everybody talks about the phones and the videos, uh, but social media mm-hmm. has become the leading news anchor for, for, for now. Like, mm-hmm. before you only had the big companies promoting the news the way they wanted to be seen, and everything else was seen as, as if, it, you know, speculation or you know, rumors or just trying to paint a picture a different way. But now the news is coming straight through your social media feed. You're not it's not being filtered by the Foxes, ABCs or whoever having the NBCs and CNNs. It's coming direct and people are seeing it live and direct right there. And that's and that's changing a lot of you know this perception because like you said, but they like you're seeing it. It's right there. It's on your timeline, and I I, I found myself having a love hate relationship uh, over the last week with social media because my timeline was getting flooded with these things, and I started seeing every event of anything an officer was doing that was negative or anybody that was. You know, calling the police on a on a or sitting on a bench or whatever it may be, and it gets, it got tiring. I, it, it got so tiring to continue. Every time I looked at it, 
it was a new story, uh, a new development. And to be honest with you, I didn't really know how to react. I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to release it. Which is why I'm, I'm, another reason I'm glad we have you on, uh, because you are in a field and you are doing the work that helps people allow them to express themselves, build themselves in a way that a lot of people in our community aren't used to. Uh, if and I, and I wanted to give you a chance to explain your platform on this platform uh, to kind of get some of your messages out. So what is your message to our community during this time? I think my main message to our community is to be kind to ourselves during this time because we can't we can't expect anyone else to treat us good but we have to treat ourselves good and what I mean by that is we have to start start showing ourselves love and when you're inundating yourself with constant um, traumatic experiences it's going to create a different response in your body whether it's anxiety or headaches or any kind of aches and pains eyes may hurt um, different things are going to start happening to you when you're constantly talking about traumatic events constantly looking at traumatic events constantly aroused and so my biggest thing is to just take a step back that doesn't mean stop fighting that doesn't mean stop advocating but it does mean that you have to help yourself in order in order to help other people. And so even myself, being the strong advocate I am, being the therapist that I am, being the director that I am, you know, facilitator, all these different hats that I wrote, I, um, I wear, caregiver, you know, all these different hats. I have to remember that if Tara is not okay, then there's no way that I can support other people. And so that looks like taking a break from social media, stepping back and realizing, hey, I was scrolling for two hours, going back to back with going back to back on a post with somebody or whatever the case may be. But taking a step back from that, mm. if you got to put a limit on your phone, put a limit of how much social media you use daily on your phone. Like mine is set at two hours for the whole day and they'll cut me off. Ooh. Do whatever is best for you. Set boundaries for yourself. And we always look at boundaries as a negative thing, but boundaries are a really powerful tool that we have. And we have to set these boundaries when people are trying to talk about these issues that we're just tired to talk about. No, sorry, I'm not comfortable with talking to you about this right now. Or no, I have no words to say. No, I'm not okay. And I don't feel like talking about it. Mm. Like we have to set these boundaries on letting people continue to to talk to us or engage us in these spaces when we don't have the capacity to engage in. Um, and doing whatever it looks like for for self care. For me, it's it's listening to music, um, listening to my favorite sermons, um, taking a bath or a shower. In the moment, just taking five deep breaths help you to reset and you know regulate your emotions 
Okay. So, so tell me, what, what's in your playlist right now? <laughs> what's in my playlist? So I love, <laughs> I love '90s R&B. Um, so I, I really, um, all these, out of all these playlists that I have, I either will say uh, Sunday brunch, uh, Sunday gospel brunch radio, which is a station. <laughs> okay on Pandora or I will play my Jagged Edge station on my uh what's it called my Apple Music okay uh, <laughs> yeah so those are the two stations that I listen to so, so and then I gotta listen to some Kendrick or some Common to help me so Jagged Edge in 112 who won Jagged Edge no doubt <laughs> <laughs> I'll put that book <laughs> that black street in there no but um jagged ass for sure oh good so you know i i don't get me wrong like I, I i'm gonna say this and you know people might take it the wrong way i am a fan of jagged ass mm-hmm. just say that before people take it the wrong way however i feel like every song of jagged ass is just a run-on from the last song <laughs> it's a story <laughs> I'm just saying, I can listen to Jagged Edge for two hours and feel like I listen to one long song. <laughs> Everything sounds the same for them. But I love them, though. I love them. Jay Brothers. So, shout out to shout out to all the 90s groups out there. In Jagged Edge, 112, all of them, Sons of Funk, all of them, all, you know. Great, great era of music, and it's a great way. I, I say the difference between '90s era and today's era when it came to R&B music is that you actually sung to the women, right? And you know the the words were to the women. You could tell uh, where now it kind of seems like guys sitting around talking about their experiences with women. <laughs> like, the language has changed a little bit, you know. So I love that night. I mean, you know, back in the day. You know, when you used to make your own mixtapes, you know, the girls would actually have their own mixtapes that they wanted to listen to. Sing it to them. You know, so. You yep, know. Terrace Playlist. Hey, you know, so. <laughs> you know, shout out to that, man. It, it definitely, uh, for me, not only is it good music, but it takes me back to a, a time that I can remember and I have good feelings and memories about. Exactly. And you know what, Landon? I'm so glad that you engaged in this conversation because this is another thing for self-care. We don't always got to talk about the horrendous acts that are going on right now during this time. Like, engage in these conversations with your peers, with your family, with your friends, with your significant other. Like, have these conversations. Life does not stop we need to keep moving forward in order to keep moving forward and keep fighting because we we can't stop fighting. Four arrests are not enough. We got to keep going. Yeah. But in order to keep going, you got to keep refueling, refueling yourself. And you got to have conversations like this. Yeah. This cancer is necessary. And that's, that's the whole reason for this platform of what we're talking about. You know, it's, it's that, you know, that barbershop, that beauty salon, that, you know, whatever the issues that, that are hitting our community, you know, let's talk about it. And not only talk about it, but have it in a sense where professionals can come in 
and give things and tools that we can take from here and grow as a community. So we talk about a lot of different things here, you know, and so, you know, you talking about uh, self-help is something that's huge because we don't talk about these things very often. And it's important to, to decide, all right, well, what are the things that make me feel good? And how can I share that with somebody else? And that's all we're doing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just don't realize, hey, you know, there's certain things I can do to play defense. You know, when we talk about mental health, uh, right. I have a different scope on when I think about being uh, about mental health. And I like to say uh, mentally healthy. Mm-hmm. And I say that because to be physically healthy, we know what we have to do. You know, to be spiritually healthy, so we may know what we have to do. So what are the things that we have to do to be mentally healthy? So how do you feed yourself mentally? Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's it's a thing that I you know that I know we don't talk about a lot, you know, it's taboo sometimes in in our community, but it's like, no, there's things that I do that put me in a good space. Mm-hmm. What are those things? And how can I make sure that I actually do and so I love having these conversations, you know, and just opening up for other people to just share some of those things. You know, uh, for me, I like to create, you know, and whether that's uh, creating music, whether that's drawing, if it's art, if it's if it's food, uh, I just I have a passion of creating and being at you know one with nature. Uh, I, I you know one of one of my biggest sayings is, hey, if you are a believer in a creator one of the biggest things that you know is you are to be like the creator mm-hmm. which means creating you know and most of, and most of the things most of the most beautiful art is a representation of God's creations so whether that's sitting on the water drawing the river drawing the mountain the trees whatever it people you know photographs all that it's, it's really just mocking the creations it's that's, you know, that's some of the things that, you know, I, I say, hey, you know, take some time to just tap into your creative side. You don't have to be good. You don't have to be for sale. It's for you. Mm-hmm. And it's what you have to do for you to feel good and be mentally healthy, you know? And so if that's reading a book, whatever that has to do, you know, if that's journaling, you know, just, just get to that. And that's one of the things that I think this pandemic has given us an opportunity to really connect to certain things we haven't been doing, you know. So I'm now in a firm belief that uh, 40 hour weeks is unnatural. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this only 24 hours in a day. And if you're telling me I have eight hours that I'm clocking in plus another hour for lunch, nine hours, I'm supposed to be sleep for eight of those hours then I got to get ready to uh, for, you know, so that's another hour that puts me to 10. And then if I'm commuting, that puts me to 11 or 12 hours. Then I got to wind down from everything that I went through through my day. And I'm left with maybe two hours. So it's not natural. So I think it's very important that, you know, that we find ways throughout our days to make sure that we're actually doing something for us and finding careers that will allow us to not be pulled from the whole time and that we can be regenerated. Absolutely. 
just a little thoughts of thoughts from, from my perspective, but at the same time, uh, to be honest, it's you know, this last few days, last week, uh, has been difficult. You know, uh, I know, uh, talk to a lot of people, they talk about um, they're just having a hard time getting started and they're having a hard time being productive because this is at the front of their mind. And you know, and you talked about setting boundaries uh, mm-hmm. and, and what that looks like but I'm, I'm wondering like in the workplace mm-hmm. what does that look like setting boundaries in the workplace when you have to go to work and you got these other people that are approaching you or may not even be approaching you but just have to be around them and their reactions at the same time mm-hmm. I think I think as black people as a whole I think we have taken on this role of being uncomfortable to make somebody else comfortable. Mm. And we have to change that narrative. It is not our job to make sure that non-blacks are comfortable at the expense of our comfortability. Okay. And so in the workplace, when people are asking you questions or, Tara, what's wrong with you? Oh, you need to turn that smile upside down. It's okay to just stare at them. I heard something today when someone said, silence says a lot. Mm. And, uh, you know, we can look at somebody and they can know everything that we probably were going to say just by one look. And so sometimes we don't have to say anything. We could just look like, did you really just ask me that? And a person will start fidgeting, start getting uncomfortable. And then you could just, you know, move forward. Um, Also, setting those boundaries, like I said earlier about, I really don't want to talk about that. I'm actually hurt. Mm. I'm tired of seeing my my, uh, brothers and sisters dying at the hands of police. Unjustly. Yeah. Like just saying that, speaking that out. We cannot be afraid to say these things. And then advocating for yourself in those spaces. So talking to your supervisor. And if you can't get anywhere with that supervisor, talking to the HR person. If you can't get anywhere going forward, you know, contacting other organizations outside of your workplace. We have to start using our resources. And using our, and our voice is one resource that we don't really tap into. Mm. As the, you know, and I, I heard a phrase today that I'm taking and I am putting it in my arsenal and I am holding on to this. It was, it was uh, one of the best sound pieces of advice that I've ever heard um, because I know a lot of times as passionate people, we can become reactionary and everybody doesn't understand our passion when we're in reactionary mode. And because, like you said, we we are tasked with this duty of making other people comfortable, Mm -hmm. regardless of, you know, if that means compromising our comfortability, we sometimes dormant that passion. Right. And the phrase I heard today was strike while the iron's cold. Yes. And man, I tell you, that spoke something to me about 
if you don't react the way that you think you should in the moment, and we all had that moment where we've gone home and we're like, oh, I should have told him that. Oh, I should have gave him a piece of my mind. But to be able to, you know what? I don't have to strike while the iron is hot. I can come back to this, express my feelings, and it still have an effect. And one of the things I thought about is like, how many times have we not said anything, let it pass, and that thing felt it, and that other person felt like, oh, well, I must be okay, or I can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you didn't get away with it. You just didn't get the reaction out of me that you wanted. But let me let you know where I'm at with this. And if that, you know, if that means you got to write it down, if that means you got to submit it in the email, whatever it may be, but you don't have to always strike while the iron is hot. And I think sometimes when we get so confrontational, we feel like we got to get everything out right then, right there, once we do boil over. But it's like, you know what? No, I don't feel like talking right now. I'm not going to talk right now. You're not going to force me to. Exactly. I will tell you exactly how I feel. You will know. Mm-hmm. And then we can move forward with that. Strike while the iron is cold will stick yes. with we do not have to give other people the power to make us speak in the moment. Absolutely. We choose when, where, and how we speak. And so I remember, I can recall a time where I was inside of a manager's, a leadership meeting, and someone told me, oh, Tara, what's, what's your um, what's your thought about this? You're the, you have the blackest skin in, the, in this room. Wow. And I was caught so off guard by the person and the power and the position that they held. I did not know what to say in that moment, but to just look. I couldn't say nothing. That that moment had me so stuck. I couldn't say anything. Then the anger came. Then mm. it just it just seeped in. And so I didn't I didn't say anything. I just didn't answer and another, you know, a a white person um, said something, redirected the conversation or something like that. But after that moment and a week later, so not even a day later, you know, for a couple, maybe the next day or so, I I was feeling, I was so upset with myself, like, Tara, like, you are a strong advocate. You have a strong voice. You are a leader. Why didn't you say anything? And I was angry at myself. Mm. And then I had to realize, well, get your thoughts on paper. And so I emailed how I felt, shared it with that person, <laughs> actually went above that person and shared it with their supervisor and shared, okay, I didn't appreciate this. This is how I felt in that moment. I also didn't appreciate the fact that no one else said anything as well. And here's what I need moving forward. I need an apology. I need for people to speak out when this is said. And you know what? This is not the first time. So I need us to have some training. And actually, let's go in. I need a a safe space for Black employees. Mm. And so we have to use these opportunities to get our needs to the forefront and to tell people what exactly it is that we need. That's awesome. That's a, that is some strength right there. 
uh, that 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 you are, are passing out right there. Like you know, to to be able to use the situation to get your needs. That's amazing. You know, I, you know, and uh, this is. I had a strong, you know. I, I had a, I had a hard time tackling this particular issue because I didn't know how I was going to cover it or what was going to be said or what was going to come out. And I couldn't figure out how to do it in one series. Uh, and I'm so glad that, you know, you were persistent on, hey, let's, you know, we can talk about this and the way that we can talk about it. Because what I came up with is, you know what? We want to do a series. And because this is such a deep, deeper issue than, you know, one episode can handle and one perspective that I wanted, I wanted to come across on different perspectives where I can bring on different people and talk about different facets of this. Yeah. And with your brilliance that you're lending and to talk about that, like, you know, like those, those parts that we're not talking about, you know, I could spend an hour talking about burning buildings, mm-hmm. but then never get to some of the things that you're bringing to the table right now, you know, like, using this to fulfill your needs is something extremely, extremely necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lost in the mix at its proper times. So I definitely applaud you for, for bringing that aspect uh, to the show. So thank you very much for that. No, no problem. And that comes right, Landon, when you are slow to speak. Because if I would have said what I wanted to say in the moment, I would have never got across my needs and there would have been no action. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you are trailblazing and and really building a strong foundation with some of the things that you are implementing in several different organizations across the Bay Area. Uh, that you have been able to do and I for one salute you you know for, for those things and to be able to set up those organizations inside of organizations and those spaces for for black employees to be able to have those safe spaces is an amazing need that a lot of people don't even know is possible that they could have mm-hmm. uh, so what was what were some of the things that gave you the sense or the boldness to be able to establish these things throughout these organizations? I think for me, I had to look at what's more important. And I think every person has to come to that place when they're like, what am I willing to sacrifice if this doesn't go the way that I want it to go? Mm. And at that point, when I first was able to at that point, uh, you were saying that when you first was able to, yeah, you know, because certain things had to be said in these meetings certain things had to be addressed and I didn't know what kind of backlash was going to happen. But I had to say, no matter what, Tara is going to stand up for this. 
And I will take the fall for everybody. But that was the mantle that I picked up. And I was just blessed in that moment that I had, you know, some support there who let me, you know, to let me organize and to to um, develop such an amazing group of people. Um, and at this place, I actually, so far, I've done it at four different organizations. So it is possible. It's possible. Yes. It's legal. The first thing they're going to say is, that's illegal to have just a place for Black people to share their thoughts and feelings about what's going on. Nope, not true. You know, and I wish I would have had this in every stop that I've ever been in. I mean, I, I, I can tell you that there are certain jobs I would have probably not been fired from. I would have been able to have a safe space and say what I need to say instead of keeping things by things that happen. And uh, experiencing this puts me in a mindset that I don't think I'll, I would ever work for an organization again uh, that didn't have something similar to this or that wasn't willing to subscribe to it. It's, it's a very important benefit that uh, that means more than a paycheck. Yeah. As a black person, regardless of where you work, regardless of where you live, you go through so much daily. There's so many microaggressions. There's so much that you go through. And so to have a place where you can release with other people in a shared experience does something to the soul. It surely does. And so it's needed and it It, should be everywhere. It really should be. You know, um, you know, seeing this and, and being on the tutelage, I the benefits of this, and you know, especially you know, with so many companies in the Bay Area that don't have this, it's it's such a untapped resource uh, that can really make a work environment uh, less much less stressful. Uh, and I, I just thank you for picking up that mantle, carrying that weight. Uh, and you know, bearing that cross, and you 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 have uh, become a leader in the industry because of this. And the fact that that not only have you done that, but can still find time to come and and speak to us on 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 this level, I I truly truly appreciate you for the queen that you are, and I thank you for all all that you that you're doing. And I want you to know that you can smell these flowers because I appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. That means that means so much to me. Um, because a lot of the times you're just sowing seeds. And so mm-hmm. you you know, you don't do it because you want to get recognition or you want to see the effects of it, the impact. You do it because it's the right thing to do. And sometimes you never see what the end result is. And so I appreciate you for, I just appreciate you for sharing that and sharing how helpful that space is and how you are going to make sure that any place that you work in has to have that same space 
that means a lot. And it's going to help so many other people. We all have, have different gifts. And so yeah. everyone's gift is not going to be to to organize or to advocate or to, you know, to speak out. Like, we all have different gifts. Some people are writers. Some people are better at uh, protesting. Some people, you know, we have to utilize our gifts and come together as a whole. And so I just I just appreciate this this space. I appreciate this opportunity to be able to talk candidly. Um, thank you for inviting me because this was something I had to get out. This is something I did not know I needed. And so mm. this for me is my self care. Yeah, you know, just to get an expression and and hold those things in and, and have the space where we can actually feel free to get it out is uh, definitely, definitely needed. And so and they say, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different things out there, you know, and some people are speaking out. Some people are uh, protesting and, and there's several different ways of protesting that's out there. Uh, and it's being covered in several different ways. So uh, what are your thoughts on some of the protests, protesting that has been occurring across the country? My thoughts is that protesting uh, gains awareness. So mm. I'm down for it. Um, what I'm not down for is I've been to a couple of protests and the majority of people who were agitating the police officers that were there who were destroying property, um, who were looting, are not black people. And mm. I witnessed it with my own eyes. Graffiti, all that. It wasn't black people. Yeah. But what happens is one or two uh, white people say something and they initiate an uproar from the rest of the crowd. They're very strategic yeah. in how they do it and where they do it from. And so I just think we just need to be more mindful of who's in the crowd with us and who are we listening to. Mm. But I'm down for it. Protest, yes. The fact that all 50 states have pro have had protests is amazing to me. It is. You know, it's, it's very amazing. Uh, you know, and yet still, you know, there's more yes. work to be done. Uh, there's definitely, definitely more work to be done. Uh, but to yeah, to see some of those things, like you know, and and thank you for all those people that are capturing mm -hmm. videos and. and and posting those videos of, you know, rechanging the narrative when people are saying one thing and doing another, or broadcasting one way, and it's and it's a, another thing from being out there. Uh, I've seen so many things, whether it's, um, you know, people uh, pleading with others to, to not vandalize, and, uh, and it's the black people that are pleading against versus you know others and, and whites that are doing the vandalism i've seen videos 
one of one of the ones that that really got me. I'm not sure if you've seen this one or not, but the man with yes. the bow and arrow. And not only did he have a bow and arrow, and they jumped on him, he went to the news cameras and said that he rolled down his window, screamed out, "All lives matter." And two black African Americans beat him through his window. And then the video comes out and it shows him standing outside with the bow and arrow pointed. And a whole bunch of protesters, mostly white, jump on him. And it's like at least 30 people on him. And to him, that felt like two African American males. And he felt like he was still inside his car. And all he did was say, all lives matter. Not that he had a bow and arrow. Not the fact that he was pointing at the protesters. That was the narrative. That was a story that came on the news. And then a story that came on social media. The news has always shown a different story. Absolutely. And we got a lot of work. Like I said, a lot of work. You know, uh, shout out to... um, goodness uh what was her her name she was uh the uh mill valley mayor Mm. shout out to her Mm -hmm. gotta give love to her for saying that um this whole protest about black lives matter is not a a issue for her locally so she doesn't need to be bothered with it (laughs) shout out to her I will use my platform to put you on full blast. Mm-hmm. You know, I do want to but, share uh, something about the protest, though, that, that I kind of said, right. you know, when you said there's more work to be done, yes. These protests are also highlighting other issues. And so when I looked at the, the videos, I wasn't able to make it myself, but there was a big um, march protest start off as a rally and then was a march um that happened and was organized by some beautiful young people at tech in Oakland. oh tech yes and it was over fifteen thousand people that showed up sure was but the black people looking like pepper in a sea of whiteness and so to me that brings up a whole nother conversation on the displacement of black people it sure does uh you know Oakland has always been known as a protest city uh it's always been known you know to fight for the rights of of its people and people come from all over to participate in what Oakland does uh and but to to, to 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 get to your point, Oakland doesn't oh, look the same not. as it used to anymore. And it is and it is rapidly, rapidly changing. Uh, and it's um it's like you said, it's really it's a displacement. And so, you know, protecting our cities is uh is a hard thing as well because Oakland has a lot of tradition, a lot of history uh, has produced a lot of great talent and however you want to evaluate that uh, you know, whether it's, it's just, you know 
great society committers, like people that are have really done great in 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 society, have come from the city of Oakland, uh, and because of Oakland's placement and how close it is to San Francisco, yeah. a lot is changing. Uh, and it's hard because Oakland is an old city and I say that because gentrification is real Uh, revitalization is real and Oakland needs revitalization I don't know if it needs gentrification I'm not saying that but when I you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of streets that can use some work and if you if you are looking to buy property in the city of Oakland there's a glaring 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 issue it's 2020 and either you're buying a brand new home or you're buying a home that's 100 years old and there's not much of any middle ground um, so it's it's a, it's a hard thing to see because you want to have new things come in and you want the revitalization, but you don't want the gentrification that comes with it. You know, so yeah, definitely, definitely an issue. What what are your what are your your thoughts of of Oakland's uh, new look? <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on Oakland's new look. I was born in Oakland, you know, raised in Oakland. And having to move out because of the expenses of Oakland and move all the way to Modesto, California, definitely um, upset me. (laughs) And so to go back and look at the streets that I grew up on and see that I don't see people who look like me in those neighborhoods or who own the houses, they're not there anymore. It saddens me. A lot of our businesses are shut yeah. down that were, were once thriving. Um, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, and then with the loss of, of the money that came in from the sports, like, it's just a lot. It's just a lot. And definitely, it needs a facelift. But Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that. You know, Oakland was... I mean, for first of all, for the size of Oakland, which is roughly, I believe, six hundred thousand, uh, to have a professional football team, a professional basketball team, and a professional baseball team was unprecedented. No city of that size carried that much and, and did it as well as the city of Oakland. And to see that it's very, very possible that the city of Oakland will lose all three of those. Uh all three of those sporting events, sporting uh, checks is a uh, is a travesty, you know. So uh, I hate to see it uh, because I have a true, true, true love for the city of Oakland, all parts of the city of Oakland. You know, I, I started in in East Oakland. Uh, you know, I used to tell people that uh, West Oakland really adopted me when I came back uh, because of some of the work that I was doing in West Oakland. Of that community uh, and what West Oakland used to be. I mean, it used to be uh, the West Coast version of 
Black Wall Street. You know, and and to see where it's at now, it's a total different uh, dynamic, and see where it's going. Uh, you know, I, I see it was because when um we had a uh, mm-hmm. blind yeah, spot that yeah. came out the movie, and people didn't realize like no, that's mm-hmm. that was a real house in West Oakland, and I saw that house when it was built, and. It's literally built in the middle of a block where, you know, there's abandoned houses two houses down from it. And, you know, it's like, it's, a, it's amazing. I mean, it's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, if you haven't seen it, I recommend seeing it. Uh, but a lot of people thought that was staged. It's like, no, that is not staged. They built this $2 billion house in the middle of a block that's got abandoned houses on it. Like, it's, it was, it was, uh, See, to kind of see, because you know what's going to happen around it. They're going to take over those the rest of those properties around that neighborhood, and it's going to be a whole different neighborhood. Definitely, with the emergent the emergement of um, Silicon Valley, that has what that's been what's yeah. caused the displacement of Black folks in Oakland as well, because they have moved into Tar City, and so we have a lot of work to be done. <laughs> It doesn't yeah. stop. And so it's important to take care of our- All right. Oakland is a beautiful, beautiful city. I, I get you that there's some things that alert, but when I'm talking about Oakland, I'm talking about the people, the feel, the mm-hmm. vibe, the old school Oakland. It's a beautiful thing. Let me talk about all you all you news uh platforms. Yeah. Stop stealing Oakland. And when I say this, I'm tired of you guys. When something bad happens, it's Oakland. When something good happens, mm-hmm. it's Piedmont or it's Emeryville. You know, stop stealing Oakland. Like I just saw when uh, the protesters, or and I'm not even calling them protesters. Actually, let me say because the protest wasn't even over there. But when you have those individuals that ran into Best Buy and stole it, now it's Oakland. Yeah, exactly. But now all of a sudden that something happens there, now it's Oakland and, that, and, that, and it's a problem in Oakland. No, stop doing that. Mm-hmm. That's just my message to all those news platforms mm-hmm. that like to or play when games. Something good, it's the San Francisco you know, Bay Area. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the Bay Area now. Yeah. Yes. Or, or, or an East Bay City. You know, and they don't want to say the name when it's something positive. Golden <laughs> State Warriors. There's something you don't want to use the name. That's fine, you know. But stop doing that. This is my little two cents <laughs> at the end there. So, <laughs> well, I tell you, I have had a blast. You are welcome to come back onto this platform at any time. If you have anything that you want to talk about, that's what we do. It's what we talk about here. Thank you so much uh, for Thank lending you your for brilliance. Me and God bless you. Oh, thank you so much. And the same to you. And for all those uh, there, so, you know, knowing that you have this platform and knowing that, uh, you know, you have your own practice, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what is the, the best way for way them to find you? The going to be on Instagram. Dope Black Therapist. 
Did y'all hear that? Find her on Instagram, Dope Black Therapist. Right there. Very easy. Is it all spelled together? Any nope. any anything that needs to be changed there? Comment all all one word. All right. Dope Black Therapist. Make sure you look that up on Instagram. Follow this sister. Reach out. Link up. It is very important that we link up. And, and, and that we have that network and continue to build that network. Money moment. As I told you, we're going to start doing money moments in this. You can't really, you cannot really support black businesses unless you become a part of a network with black businesses. So make sure that you are supporting, that you are networking so that that dollar continues to circulate in the same network that is a true way that you become supportive thank you so much for listening thank you so much for tuning in thank you so much to our sponsors all of our listeners on all the platforms this is what we're talking about we will be back again thank you for your time we'll see you next time